from NPM, the National Association of Pastoral Musicians. This is episode 136 of Ministry Monday. Ministry Monday is a weekly podcast about music, ministry, and liturgy produced by the National Association of Pastoral Musicians, or NPM. What is NPM? NPM is a national association that fosters the art of musical liturgy. The members of NPM serve the Catholic Church in the United States as musicians, clergy, liturgists, and other leaders of prayer. For more information, go to npm.org forward slash join. Have a question? Email us anytime at ministrymonday at npm.org. Hello, and welcome to Ministry Monday. I am your host, Amanda Bruce. Happy New Year! Well, we hope you are well-rested, or at least semi-rested, and remain as healthy as possible as we look towards Epiphany this week and the Feast of the Baptism of the Lord next week. As we settle into the first days of this new year, we want to know, what was your favorite Ministry Monday episode of 2020? Just like we did in 2019, we are going to share the fan favorite episode from this year and showcase it this month in January. So email us and let us know what episode you liked the most. And if you can't remember the title, simply describe the topic and we can help. Email us at ministrymonday at npm.org. We've extended the deadline to vote until next Monday, January 11th. Well, today is a big day for NPM as we are going live to give announcements to you, the membership, today. Today, on Monday, January 4th, we are going live at 9 a.m. Eastern Time and 12 noon Eastern Time, so that's 9 a.m. Pacific Time for you West Coasters. We have some announcements to make for our membership, and if you are an NPM member, you need to listen in. We will also be providing a Q&A live portion at 3 p.m. Eastern Time as well. If you are listening to this episode after Monday, January 4th, don't worry. Head on over to our YouTube channel to watch all of the replays. And again, our YouTube channel address is youtube.com forward slash NPM live stream. Again, that's youtube.com forward slash NPM live stream. And now let's begin. So I once had a cantor who recently had had a baby, but she wanted to minister quickly after her child was born. But balancing two children with varying work schedules was a constant challenge for her. I told her that we would welcome her back as a minister in any way that her schedule would allow. So one morning, her husband had an unexpected work commitment, but she still wanted to canter. So she brought her toddler and infant with her to church. They were both incredibly well-behaved until the preparation of the gifts, but this didn't stop my canter. With her toddler next to her leg and her infant nestled on the side of her hip, She stood at the canter stand and sang, How Great Thou Art, and led the congregation. 
I was particularly emotional when she looked at her infant as she sang the verse, O Lord, my God, when I in awesome wonder consider all the works thy hands have made. I don't think there was a dry eye in the house. I really think that she ministered to all of us in multiple ways that day. And she reminded me of the power of lay leadership. You know, we are so quick to cling to the role of the clergy in our lives. I think we often forget the presence of God that lives within us and flows through us as we minister as lay people. And that is the conversation we are having today. I sat down with Brother Lewis Cantor to discuss the importance of lay ecclesial ministry, a term that is either fresh or incredibly well-worn in your local diocesan vocabulary. Brother Lewis believes that the key to the church's future lies within the lay ministers who serve the church with their time, talent, and treasures, big and small. The last time you and I talked, um, we talked about, you know, um, standing in the shadows of the saints. We talked about the interview for All Souls Day. Um, But our conversation was so fruitful that I asked you to come back and talk with us again on Ministry Monday. So um, lay leadership, first off, you know, why, in your opinion, is it so important for lay leadership to rise and find a voice and a presence and a strength in the church right now? Um, Well, I think there's a couple things that are operating. One is uh, the reality of less priests and clergy, uh, religious in the church as a whole. Uh, and a lot of, uh, before Vatican II, most of the ministries of the church were um, assumed by the, cler- the, the clerical community as well as religious communities, teachers and working in hospitals and those kinds of things. And as the, um, as the numbers have diminished, there's been pockets of ministries that have not had places. And so um, the lay leadership or lay people have now risen to the occasion to take those roles as teachers and uh, administrators, as um, ministers in, in parishes and hospitals and so on. So that would be one thing. I think the other thing I think is very interesting is claiming our baptism and claiming what baptism is and what what baptism does. And I think the beautiful thing about Vatican II is it kind of reminded us again about what does baptism do? First of all, baptism calls us to, you know, we're called to holiness and uh, that's a big, that's a big thing. So it's not just making the milk, the milk uh, carton clean, you know, white, like they used to tell us, Sister Roseanne told us in second grade, you know, that kind of little milk bottle kind of thing, but it's a, it's a journey of holiness. It's also done in the context of community for us to share our gifts so that we can do mission and evangelization. So those are the four main areas that, that baptism kind of pulls us into. So if we take that attitude, then it's really our responsibility as baptized Christians uh, to minister, to share the gifts that God has given us. And so, and the church is recognizing that. Um, I think the one, one of the wonderful documents that we have is uh, the co-workers in the vineyard that's a, a little over 15 years old. And um, that document really kind of set the tone 
um, that the USCCB had, had given us saying, hey, we need to name, claim, and sustain lay ecclesial ministry in our church. That's what we need to do. And, um, and allow pastors, uh, and allow pastoral leadership to implement the process of allowing people to name, claim, and sustain. And I think that's the, the beautiful gift that, that we have and validates then um, ministry in the church. Let's, let's stay on lay ecclesial ministry in particular, of course. So LEM or lay ecclesial ministry, what is so important about kind of, like you said, naming and claiming lay ministry in that way? Why is like LEM certification or, you know, identifying as a, an LEM so important right now? It's really important because um, we need lay ecclesial ministers in the church. We need people to, 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 continue the legacy of who we are as Catholic Christians. So, you know, part of that lay ecclesial ministry or uh, is, is first of all, like I want to go back to saying claiming our baptism. It's what, I mean, it's who we are. <laughs> you know, we have all these gifts that we have. And, you know, to be a lay ecclesial minister is a wide range of, of anything that, that that's done. But I think it's also in the spirit of of the gospel, it's also in the spirit of evangelization that you know we claim who we are and what we do, and then you know uh, continue on. So I think part of it is like naming is is to recognize the existence, you know, to say I am a lay ecclesial minister. That's who I am, and I am a lay ecclesial minister. That's that, and I claim that. But to name it means it's to be recognized. But then once it's recognized, then what do we do with that? Mm -hmm. So if I want to be you know, like, you know, of course, we're talking with pastoral uh, musicians and pastoral ministers are lay ecclesial ministers. And so how do we do that? Well, as a lay ecclesial minister, as a musician, we get trained. We get trained in the art of our, our particular craft, whether we're keyboardists or guitarists or singers or composers or whatever. But then that filter that we are using is pastoral. How does this work in a pastoral setting? How does this uh, how does this help the community to prayer? How does it help the community to mission, to evangelize, and those kinds of things? So that's that's part of a part of it is claiming, and then sustaining um, means that you know we we are one we support one another. I mean, this is not done in isolation. This is done in the context of community, and so when we uh, share our gifts, the community supports us. We support the community. You know, it almost becomes cyclic. In, in the way that, that that occurs. So lay ecclesial ministry is very important. And yes, we need to be certified. We need to be educated. We need to be the best we can. Why? Because we want to do the best for the Lord and for our brothers and sisters to proclaim, you know, that God is present in the world. I think too, I, I also perceive lay ecclesial ministry and lay leadership in particular as being even more relatable and approachable to people who may be disaffiliated with the church or people who maybe don't feel that strong connection. And I don't mean that in any disrespect to clergy, but at the same time, if you see a, you know, a mother who's straddling her child as she goes to, to minister, that's actually, you know, I think that that helps people feel connected to the church um, in a way that, you know, that, that really helps them and gives them a connection to also be a part of. Absolutely. And again, again, that's that's showing the gift 
of baptism operating within the context of community. So, and it's not, a, it's not against anything, it's with. That's why I love mm -hmm. the document co-workers. We're co-working with the clergy. We're co-working with the bishops. We're co-working because we're all using the gifts that God has given us and using them to the fullest, you know, through the, the you know, again, we go back to baptism. Everything goes back to that. You know, um, I, I was baptized, you were baptized, we were baptized as priests, prophets, and kings and queens. You know, that's what we're told. And, and so how does that wield itself out? Some of us are called to ordain priesthood, but others are called to non-ordain priesthood. Uh, we're all called to be prophets, you know, um, and that doesn't mean you have to be at the street corner looking like John the Baptist, eating lo locusts and uh, wearing like strange clothing or anything, although that <laughs> might work, I'm not sure. <laughs> But I think the prophetic voice is being true to who we are in the ministry that God has called us. That authenticity is prophetic in a world where authenticity is somehow shaded or somehow forgotten because of other, other priorities. But for us who work in the church, I believe strongly that it's about doing who we are and being exactly who we are. And, and, and of course, that's... that's um, you know, working with clergy and, and that kind of thing. Um, I, I think that, that it goes hand in hand, but seeing a mother with a child on her, you know, on, in her arms or on her hip, you know, um, giving food to the poor or uh, helping someone else doing something, um, you know, getting ready to proclaim the word of God or whatever it is that they do, whatever their gifts are, getting ready to canter, you know, it's all real that you're right. It's real. This is, and it says, Hey, if they can do it, why can't I do it? What's, what's keeping me from being involved in the church on that level. And there isn't anything except asking God, who are you calling me to be? And what is it that you want me to do? Mm -hmm. So as pastoral musicians who are mostly the people listening to this podcast, how can we encourage lay leadership um, in, in what we do as music ministers? What are some of the examples that you can give for that? I have a secret. Okay, go ahead. Are you, are you ready? ready? It's called delegate. <laughs> and and, and that, I'm, not saying, I'm not saying that tongue in cheek. I really mean it. It's like mm -hmm. anything I have learned in the 50 years of ministry I'm involved in is to delegate and, uh, and give people the resources they need to be able to do what you're asking them to do. So, um, because what that does, it's like you're planting a seed for the future, I think. When you ask people to help you with something, you give them the tools that they need, then they feel confident to be able to move in that ministry. And then they, then in, in, this, in a way, then are able to do that with others, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. I mean, I have to be honest, for me, in the work that I'm doing now, if it wasn't for the pastor I had who delegated responsibility to me and made sure that I was equipped to do it so I could be successful, I wouldn't be talking to you today about it because I wouldn't feel that this kind of ministry was worthwhile. But again, a, a, a good pastoral approach to things is like, yeah, I'm gonna let you, you know, take over that or I'm asking you to help me with this. You know, as, as musicians, we have like 8 billion things that we're supposed to do, right? I mean, it's, <laughs> yeah. not, it's not just being on the bench or playing the guitar or just getting the music set so I can sing. If you're a director of music, there are so many aspects, you know, that are very important that 
you know, people don't really realize, you know, the business aspect or the organization aspect or um, even running rehearsal kind of thing. Um, a wise person, I believe, is a person who can delegate. I mean, I'm just, that's my, what, that's what I've been doing now. As a pastoral minister in a parish, I'm overseeing, you know, sometimes 84 different ministries in, a, in two parishes. I can't do it all. Just, I, I can't. But I can oversee what's going on and delegate and train people to do those particular things. Does that, does that answer the question? Yes, absolutely. And I think, too, the other thing that we, we as pastor musicians are finding is we are the common thread in a lot of liturgies. You know, we are present for, similar to clergy, we're present to so much. Right. And so I have noticed also that on top of our many ministerial duties, I have noticed also, maybe this is just my own church, but I've noticed that live streaming and the digital media aspect right now of COVID-19 is something that is actually falling on quite a few shoulders of pastoral musicians. And so that to me is something that I think is very wisely delegated in, in a digital ministry way that hasn't been actually fully available for a lot of churches until now. Right, right. I think, I think one of the, the jokes has been uh, with some of my friends is like we, we grew up very quickly with COVID. Mm -hmm. the, the Catholic Church has, has moved into the 21st century very quickly because some of us had to because we had no options when it was coming to how do we minister to our people and that kind of thing. I know for myself, I've learned a lot about technology that I had no idea about, you know, and supposedly people my age aren't supposed to know how to do stuff like that so much, but it's like, you learn, you got to have it. It's like, it's, it's do or die when mm -hmm. it comes to, if you want to effectively minister to your community. And so I've learned, I've sat next to people and asked questions. It's like, well, how does this work? And what's this button do, you know, um, and those kind of things. And luckily nothing's blown up or, you know, <laughs> gone away too, too much, but, but I think those are the kinds of things you're right. And the other thing too, is to make sure that we're taking care of ourselves in the midst of all of this. Um, because a burnout is a real thing, and whether you're a pastoral musician or a pastoral minister, um, uh, making sure that you're getting time to pray, to play, and to rest along with the, the ministry is extremely important. That balance is very, very important, because in the end, if you're not, if I'm not, I can't speak for anyone else, if I'm not fully functioning, I'm not, and I'm not stable in that way, I can't fully give 100% to the people who are coming to me. If I'm worn out, you know, emotionally or spiritually, or just like, okay, this is like the fifth 13 hour day in a row. It's like, oh, what am I going to do about that? Especially as we go into, you know, places. Well, I mean, at this, you know, at the time of this recording, this is going to be the Advent and Christmas season coming up. And that is, you know, notorious for us for burnout in previous years. I'll say, maybe again, I'll just say myself, I often get burned out during Advent and Christmas. Right. So it's a very yeah. challenging time. Um, so if you don't mind, how is lay leadership in your diocese? What does that look like for you? Well, it's interesting because um, I think because we have, we have sensed, I'm trying to be careful in my language here. Uh, we have thought that we had a lot of clergy. I think we're winding, we're beginning to realize that the, we don't. And I, I'll take our, if I could just take our deanery for an example, uh, we, have, we have realized that we don't have enough clergy to go around and going to the bishop and asking, do we have anyone and hearing we don't have anyone right now. So 
who will help us continue the mission of the church in that in our deanery. So that's where this this whole idea of lay leadership and lay ecclesial ministry and you know we've developed um, certification program here um, with uh, Saint Leo University to begin to train people to uh, to uh, round people about with the you know theology and those kind of things to prepare them to do pastoral ministry or even if you know, as a musician to even have all of that in your head so you can you can be present to people on those particular levels like you know doing pastoral care and those kinds of things that many times you and I do mm-hmm. and then also we we uh, have uh, the Limex program with uh, Loyola University of New Orleans uh, we're working with them now to begin uh, to to set up a certification program to prepare people to be PLCs and PLDs pastoral uh, leaders in parishes who actually will oversee a parish themselves with priests coming in to help with doing the, the sacramental aspect. So that's that's on the docket. And, and in many dioceses, and many people who are hearing this, this has been going on for decades, especially I know in uh, Michigan, uh, you know, at least two decades, two, two, two decades we've had that kind of ministry that's just now beginning to settle in here in the South, but particularly in Florida. I really like the idea of this ministry that kind of makes us re-envision what minister, what administration is like in a church, because I come from the Diocese of Pittsburgh. We're currently undergoing a massive reconsolidation where every church is reconsolidating and um, merging with at least one other church because of shortage of priests. And the organizational idea is that, you know, priests in particular will be more free, ideally, to provide sacraments and focus on that instead of being, you know, administrative, you know, in in their duties, you know, so in getting that administrative help from lay leadership. So I think this is a wonderful initiative, and I'm glad to hear that it's really catching on in the South now. Yeah, and let me just, you know, although I'm not a PLC, um, I am, the way that our pastor has worked this, because again, remember, I'm working in two parishes. Mm-hmm. So um, the pastor is overseeing both of these parishes. But there are two people, myself and another gentleman, who are, I'm responsible for the pastoral aspect of the men, of the, of the parishes. The other gentleman is, is in, in charge of the um, operation, the operational aspect. We still are accountable to the pastor. And so all the things that we're doing he needs to know what's happening, but he's delegated those responsibilities to us to care for the people on those particular levels. And I have to say it works and it's working well. I mean, communication is extremely important, but the thing is um, that's, that's, that's what you're going to be entering into it. Uh, I believe, you know, in your, in your area and your diocese as you reconstruct is that's, that's a paradigm that works well because then you know, first of all, there's that communication. It doesn't matter whether you're a man or a woman. It just depends on who you're, you know, your call, your baptismal call, the gifts that you bring, how that works. Um, and it works really, really well. I, I have to tell you, um, you know, I'm, I'm excited to see this and I'm, I'm excited to be a part of, of, of what we're doing. You know, we're kind of piloting this in a way in our, in our deanery, but it's just, it's exciting to see because then other people are saying, well, I want to be more involved. You know, how do I do that? How can I get more involved? And it's like, hey, be part of our LEM program. Let's sit down and talk and see what the what 
what God is asking you to do. What's your gifts? What do you, what do you have to bring? What, is, what has baptism done for you in terms of being gifted and how can we make those gifts work for you and for the mission of the community? In an ideal world, what would you like to see across the country in terms of lay leadership for the next, let's say, five years? Well, I think two things. One, I would think education to make sure that people are properly trained and not trained to be little nuns or little priests, but actually be trained to be lay ministers. And that's a big difference. And um, so we need to have programs that work toward that. And um, the second thing is to educate the greater laity as to what's going on because I think that's key. Um, what has been a little difficult for me is people not understanding like, so like, why are you doing this? I'm like, um, where's father kinds of things. It's like yes. many, times, many times I'll go in and say, well, father has asked me to do X, Y, and Z. And they'll listen to me and say, okay, well, we'll talk to father about that. It's like, no, I've already done that. And, you know, he's going to tell you the same thing he's told me because that's where, that's where that energy came from. So I think the educating the laity in general about the, how the Holy Spirit is working. I really believe this is the work of the Spirit. And, you know, since Vatican II and, 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 these, and, and implementing these things, you know, with this document, co-workers in the vineyard, I really believe that the Spirit is sort of bringing us back to the Acts of the Apostles Church and in that paradigm that the church worked in at that time in the early church. And it was, it, it was all of us caring for one another without every gifts we had. And some were priests, yes, and some were deacons, yes, and some were bishops, but we were all caring for each other. And I think that's sort of where we're going back, using the gifts we've received from baptism. Oh, it reminds me of the song, Sing a New Church. Um, yes. the, yeah, it, that's exactly what I think of right there. Hmm? Mm -hmm. Yes, and of course, you know, we, we talked, you know, we talked about this too at the convention this past year in Louisville. Um, you know, our theme was our baptismal call. <laughs> and I, I do think that educating the, the laity about how our baptismal call is multifaceted and shaded. And it does not just mean, like you said, priests and nuns and, you know, in clergy um, and that our, our leadership in the church and our leadership in the church of our homes, if you will, too, can. Absolutely, because that's where it starts. Exactly. That's where it starts. It mm -hmm. starts right there. I mean, I mean, and, and, and as, as I'm entering deeper into the, the aspects of these ministries, I'm so convinced of that. That nucleus is so important, um, and 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 everything can grow out of that. It's like I would just was sharing with um, CCW women last night about the Eucharist. I was saying to them, it's like we have no idea if we are open to what the Lord wants to do. The you know the Spirit baptism, the gifts that we have are transformative. They're absolutely transformative. There is so much that can happen if we are open to letting it happen. But the, 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 the hard part of it is, a, is, is, is getting to that point, I think, because like all of us, including myself, we're afraid of what the consequence might be of that. What will the Lord ask of me? What would the Lord want me to do? Am I going to be equipped to do that? And it's like, well, those are all valid questions. And, and maybe you aren't ready now, but maybe you will be. So what do you do with that? Um, that's discernment. That's how that works. Uh, but you're right. It starts at home. It starts right there. As we continue this conversation about lay leadership on our own, um, I can tell you right now, I'm looking up coworkers in the vineyard today. 
and that's going to be my reading for the next week or so. So thank you. You're very welcome. Yeah, You're very and, welcome. And I hope that we continue to educate ourselves with certification. Uh, of course, we as NPM are continuing ed and we we actually do have a connection with the USCCB on LEM certification. And so Absolutely. um may we continue to educate ourselves and empower others to find their baptismal calling in the church. Amen. Brother Lewis Cantor serves as a pastoral assistant for two parishes in the Lakeland, Florida area. He is a composer with OCP, WLP, and ILP publishers and belongs to an ecumenical Franciscan community. The recording of The First Noel was produced by Josie Merlino, and our theme music was produced by Aaron Schaus. Today's podcast episode was produced by me, Amanda Bruce. That's it for today. With the Spirit's gifts empowering us for the work of ministry, thanks for listening. Have a great week, and we'll see you back here next Monday.